This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Listeners need to know a little more about who Emily is. How did you get to where you're at now in real estate in, the, in this business and specifically even develop a, how you develop some of these skill sets around raising money as well? Thank you, Whitney. It's an honor to be here today. And I was really inspired when I watched my dad celebrate his 30-year work anniversary. He worked at a physically demanding job and they celebrated 30 years at his job. And I said, dad, when are you going to retire? Like it's 30 years. And he looked at me and said, I can't retire right now mm. because the markets are down. And he had been taught his whole life to invest in stocks and mutual funds and that that would provide for his retirement. But this was 2009 and the markets were still rattled and he was now handcuffed to his job. And I remember stepping away from that conversation and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do different, but I am not going to have my retirement years taken away from me like that. Initially, I pursued the normal path. I went to college. I got a good job. I chased the next corporate title, but I was lucky enough to, to meet a guy who is now my husband, and he invited me to an investing class one night. And so I show up, and it's a real estate investing class put on through the Rich Dad, Poor Dad organization. And I look at him and I'm like, Adam, what are we doing here? Like, we're not going to invest in real estate. And he's like, no, no, just come in and listen, just listen. And literally that two-hour class changed my life because it taught me how real estate investing can provide financial growth and security for the future. And that really launched our pursuit of real estate investing. This was back in 2012. We ended up moving from California to Texas. I quit my corporate job and I started our real estate investing business 10 years ago, back in 2013, in one of the hottest markets in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. And it has been an amazing ride ever since. Wow. And you left the corporate position to make it happen. That's a big step, Emily. <laughs> but congratulations. That's incredible. I, I, I love hearing that. It's almost like a turning point, right? It's like this thing that impacted you and, and for you it was your father and even at 30 years and he couldn't retire he couldn't even think about retiring and he was stuck he was stuck and 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 but that motivated you to do something different uh and it's interesting at the time you didn't you, know, you said you didn't know what that was going to be but and i've got to figure something out and you didn't know your your future husband was going to be the link there to take you somewhere to learn Something. Or was there something specific in that in that course that stood out to you? I mean, other than I think you mentioned a couple of things, but I don't know anything that was like, man, this this allowed me to know that real estate was the thing. Absolutely. And so I'm an engineer. I love numbers. And they showed us numbers even as basic with single family investing, flipping houses. Like you buy a house for a hundred, you put twenty thousand in and you sell it for one sixty. And something as simple as the met, like addition and subtraction, like you buy for this, you add value and you sell it higher, just resonated with me because the math doesn't lie and the numbers don't lie. And so we, we walked away from that training and said, this is a great way to build wealth. Um, we, I ended up pursuing flips and rentals. So I did the short-term capital gains and I did the long-term cash flow plays. And 
I kind of, I married the two together. We'd flip a house, we'd buy a rental, flip a house, buy a rental, and built up a significant portfolio that I self-managed for over five years. Okay, so, so you did that for five years, started flipping, buying rentals. Why, why do anything different? Why not just keep doing that? So it was really interesting at the time. The, the market started to shift in Dallas-Fort Worth, and we, we ended up, every spreadsheet we were analyzing looked better as a flip than it did as a rental. So because the resale prices were going up faster than the rental prices. And so we went, we went in a whole year and we flipped all the houses and we didn't keep any as rentals. And so the cash flow wasn't there to support my husband to quit his job. So our goal from the beginning was I would quit first. He would work. He would continue working until the business could sustain our, our expenses, bring in enough income, and then he would quit his job. And it just wasn't getting us there fast enough. So because it just looks better as a flip, but the, flip, the flips are really a job. Like you have to go out, you have to get the next one. The next one's not guaranteed. And so 2017 rolled around and we said, we have to do something different. We have to do something that brings in more income. And we went to a multifamily training. It, this was another two-day training event. And again, the math didn't lie. It, the multifamily brings in more income on a per work at, per effort basis than single family does. So we made that switch to multifamily. We ended up selling our single family portfolio little by little as the tenants moved out and transitioned our funds and our time into multifamily. And within one year, my husband was able to quit his job and join me full time. Nice. I love that story. Even for the listeners too, who are determining their path forward as you th I think all of us were approached about or thought about starting with flipping or rentals as well uh, and and take a path like you did into growth and then you realize man maybe multifamily is something I should look into so and we won't spend a lot of time here because I want to get to your your superpower really but what gave you the confidence then to go syndicate a large deal we joined an education program and and this was an investment. It was tens and th tens of thousands of dollars to invest in our education because we were going to be managing other people's money. And at this point, all of the single family investments had been our own money. Like if we won, it was our money. If we lost, it was just us. And multifamily has the responsibility of managing other people's money with the syndication. So we pursued education. That gave us the confidence to learn the underwriting and things like that. But really the biggest thing was we partnered with the right person and we found a partner that was experienced and could raise equity and be that resume for our partnership group. Whereas my husband and I, we were the ones who wanted to do the asset management. We wanted to manage the asset. One reason, because we needed income. We needed the asset management fee to pay for our, our life because my husband was quitting his job. And we had the confidence from our corporate background. We worked for GE, General Electric, and they had taught us very well about leadership and managing people. And we knew we could relay those skills to the multifamily syndication business. So we were very intentional that we wanted to be the asset managers and we wanted to partner with somebody who could raise the capital and be that resume for our group to help us win a deal. Nice. Well, and it sounds like too, even with your 
experience flipping and rentals, that gave you some just rental experience dealing with the day-to-day grind of flipping and rentals. Uh, that's not easy either. Uh, well, you, you are focused on asset management though. It's time. When did it switch to what you're doing now? So it actually switched when we formed our, our second partnership. Our first partnership was really great. My husband and I, we did all the asset management. We had a lot of lessons learned during that time because we were doing the same roles at first. And then we finally broke off into distinct swim lanes, which was a much smarter idea. And, but we could only buy one syndication a year. That was our limit for our time frame, like the effort that we could put in. And we knew we wanted to scale faster. So we ended up getting into a different partnership where we could leverage the asset management responsibilities. So our next partnership was two married couples, us and one other couple. And two of us focused on acquisitions and two of us focused on operations. And what that really did was allow me to step away from the asset management day-to-day role because my husband and the wife of the other couple, they did all the asset management work. And I could step away and focus on acquisitions and building our investor database. And so this was, this was four years ago that we made the switch to the different partnerships or, and in a different structure. But it was, it was because we leveraged out some of the asset management that allowed me to step aside and focus on what now is my specialty. Nice. Well, let's talk about just that. You have, you've built some pretty cool ways, I think, to uh, meet investors, right? And start building those relationships and become very good at raising raising money. And, and it's a it's a major part of our business. So much effort is spent on this thing. And oftentimes I feel like we're we're like spinning our wheels. It's like, man, what's the next thing? Or how do we get in front of other people and be able to add value to them and build the relationship and those things. Let's talk about how you've done that. You know, how you are, you're finding new investors and you have a couple of different avenues or a few different ways that I would say are, are unique, that I, at least one or two, that, that I've probably not heard people like really actively pursuing, right, and, and doing it well. So let's jump into some ways that you're doing this. So the first way is, one, I still hold my real estate license back from when I was doing flips and rentals. And so I'm with Keller Williams, which is a very large organization. In DFW alone, we probably have 14 different offices. And I have started teaching classes to real estate agents regarding wealth building and passive investing. And that has really grown over the years because the wealth building conversation has become something that everybody wants to talk about. It's, I would say five years ago, it was less sexy. And now it's like, it's, it's cool to talk about money and it's cool to talk about wealth building because it's on the forefront of everybody's minds. So it started as just a conversation of actually saying like, hey, I want to teach a class. And I think people would be surprised at their place of employment with their organizations. If you raise your hand and say, I want to teach a class, there are very few people that will turn you down. Because I think, especially with Keller Williams, they're always looking for something different besides the typical contracts classes and the normal day-to-day, month-to-month classes. And so that wealth building and passive investing conversation is is different. And they they love to incorporate it because it sets them apart too. So it started with just my office. 
and it has spread out to multiple offices across the DFW area and now nationally flying to Tennessee to teach classes, flying to Florida to teach classes at those Keller Williams offices and just branching out. But it all started with just asking the question like, hey, can I teach a class on passive investing? Love that. I think it that would be it's outside of so many people's comfort zones, right? To stand up in front of the room and to teach a class on wealth building, right? They're probably going to first thing they're probably going to say was, well, I haven't built wealth. Who's going to listen to me? Right. Or maybe I don't feel like I'm wealthy. What do you say to that? So initially, I actually started with my passive investments. And a lot of people get started with multifamily in as a passive investor. And literally, that was what I showed. I think the slide that made the biggest difference was when I showed my passive investments and the deposits that I was getting into my bank account. I, li I just showed a screenshot of, of my bank account statement and the deposits coming in. I said, I made a $50,000 investment in this deal and I'm getting X amount per month coming in. And that's what people want to see. They want to see the returns. They want to see the big, if you haven't had, you know, if you have had a big sale, they want to see that big jump and in, in gains. But initially, I would say focus even on your passive investment performance. And the other thing that, that I've been able to do is you, I start with very simple wealth building concepts. Like instead of having your money make 0% in a, in a no interest checking, it should be making four to 5% right now in a high yield checking account. Those are things, those are topics that you could become familiar with very quickly. And you kind of build up, you give them a little bit of information on basic in investing, wealth building, and then you go into, but here's how you really create wealthy money and you really put your money to work for you with avenues like multifamily syndication. I love that. Uh, tell me, uh, you know, what's the normal attendance just so we can think about this room that you're presenting to? It's typically between 30 to 50 people. Okay. And creating this, this presentation, you talked about, I like how you said it was simple tips and, and it sounds like you're kind of building them up for a bigger uh, right type of return, right? Or potential, right? That, <laughs> that you're going to show them this passive uh, route into multifamily, I assume, right? And so what, how long is this presentation? I would give a few details for the listener to think about, hey, if they're going to do something like this, how can any of the other success tips to, to make a, have a successful presentation to a group like that? Absolutely. So I, typically my classes are scheduled for an hour. I try to keep the content in 45 minutes or less to give at least 15 minutes for Q&A. Um, another strategy that I do are seminars, public seminars that I blast out on LinkedIn and Facebook. And these might be a Thursday night at 7 p.m. Those I try to keep to 30 to 45 minutes max just because they're in the evenings and I know people um, have other commitments. But one thing I always do, and this has become more important recently, is record everything. Even if it's just audio, hopefully it's audio and visual. But then I can take my class, for example, that I taught at Keller Williams. And if somebody... If I meet somebody outside of KW, I can still send them the link and they could watch the class. So even though I've only taught the class a few times, I have recorded sessions that I could send out. And same thing with a wealth building seminar. If you were to choose to do that, that you publicly market 
you can then have that recording to send out to your to interested parties later. Yeah, I also agree. Record everything you're putting in that effort. Why not record it so you can reuse it, right? Like that. And that's even an added value, right? Somebody missed it. They reach out. Hey, Emily, sorry, I'm, hey, did I miss, missed your presentation? And you say, hey, I, I can send it to you, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. you can still make that connection and add the value to them. Uh, what would you say is the biggest value from the presentation that you know these potential investors are taking away? I mean, is it is it mostly just opening their eyes to this possibility of multifamily? You know, or what would you say is the biggest takeaway? I think one one thing that a lot of people don't know is that you can invest in multifamily syndications with your self directed retirement accounts. And for those of us in the business, it seems like normal knowledge, but that was actually the, the, how I got started with my first passive investment. I had, I, when I left GE, I had a 401k that I rolled over to self-directed and I put it into two different deals. And the way I, ex the way I explained my experience was that it was less scary to invest retirement account money because I know that that money has been set aside for investing. That money is supposed to go to work for me and create great returns and make a difference in my retirement. And so the conversation, I think, with the self-directed retirement funds is easier to have because it's already set aside. Now, real estate agents are an interesting group of people to teach to because they love real estate. They know they want to invest in real estate, but they typically don't have time to invest. So for them, if they invest in cash, there are there could be potential for tax advantages and and putting in that part of the conversation is always good too. And, and I get this question often as well: is is being licensed a licensed realtor something you would recommend in the syndication space? I know if I was flipping homes, I could definitely see a ton of benefits. But just wondered your take now that you're you're in the commercial real estate space and raising money. If I had started with multifamily syndication, I would say having my real estate license would not be critical because we we get on the, the listing brokers lists, we get all the emails. It hasn't necessarily been beneficial to be licensed in the in the actual acquisition. Now in capital raising in the in the sense of I've become the investor in the office and I've created a some credibility around that and recognition, that has become really powerful. And I think if you were to use a, the real estate license as a way to access a group of potential investors, you could argue that it would be beneficial. The, getting that license is a big path to gaining many rooms of potential clients as well, right? It is. It is. And I mean, my, my, sunk, my costs are around 2000 a year for the license. Yeah. So when I think about that, it's pretty low cost for such a big audience. Now, that may not work if it's a completely virtual brokerage. KW is unique because we're still brick and mortar. We still have in-person classes every day kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. I get the question often. Usually when I say I have a real estate business, people assume I'm a realtor, right? That happens all the time. But no, that's helpful because I get that question often. Whitney, should I, should I become a licensed realtor? Is that going to help me? And and I think you answered that. Uh, so you, you talked about teaching these classes on wealth building. I think it makes a ton of sense calling it that. You, you mentioned the wealth building seminars, which you do online uh, as well. And, and, but I think you also do a meetup. Is that right? 
That's correct. So once every two months, we do a meetup, and it is currently on a Saturday from 1 to 3. And it used to be two, 12 to 2, and we would do it at a restaurant where everybody would uh, take care of their own checks, which is really nice. The restaurant allows you to do individual checks for 40 people. Well, then they got a new manager, and we had a switch. So that was kind of a, a bummer. But we, we switched the time from 1 to 3 so that we don't have to buy lunch for everybody. And we typically get between 30 and 50 people at our, at our meetups as well. And we do a mix of topics. Every meetup is different. They are all publicly marketed. We use meetup.com as the platform. And you can select different tags. And so people can say, I'm interested in classes on cash flow. And so if they say that and I tag cash flow to my event, it'll show up as like, hey, you should check out this event. And so we tend to get at least five to 10 brand new people every time. And then the rest are usually repeat invest, repeat attendees. And so that is a great way to just offer value. And we don't always have to create the content. We can bring in guest speakers. We can have somebody, we can have a, a, a broker talk. We can have a mortgage person talk. We can have a tax professional talk, cost seg, things like that. And we can diversify it. But really to bring in new people, we want the topics to also relate to brand new investors. Yeah, for sure. Uh, give us some of your uh, top tips for the, the, making a, a successful meetup. I know you you talked about not having to always do the content yourself because I, I know uh, so many, right? Again, like we were talking about, even doing the wealth building classes, it's way outside of our comfort zone, right? Even doing a podcast is way outside of, many people's comfort zone and say, hey, you can learn to interview people, right? It doesn't always have to be you providing the content. What are some of the tips that you found? Hey, I wish I had known this before we started the meetup. Mm -hmm. I would think looking back, one of the most popular topics has been case studies. And, you, and typically this is a full cycle case study, but people just want to see a deep dive on an example. They want to see a specific property. What was it purchased for? What were the projects? What did the numbers look like? How did you find it? Really that womb to tomb story on a deal. And that's what we found to get the biggest turnout is when we sell, when even if a passive investment goes full cycle, you can use that as a case study if you can, if you put together all the pieces from the uh, deal sponsors. But honestly, I've, I think we should be doing more case studies because that's what people want to see. They want to see the big picture, the full story. What did, it, what did you buy for? What did you sell for? What were the gains? And what did you have to do to, to get those, to get the asset value higher? And how do you market the meetup? So we do blast on meetup.com. We market it to LinkedIn, actually, because on LinkedIn, we have a lot of colleagues back from our corporate world. And we it, the the message gets out that way facebook and instagram and is so that paid, our, like paid ads or no unpaid just our personal pages and business pages nice nice that's awesome what would you say has if you could pick one of these methods to really focus on gaining new new investor clients and leads what would you pick honestly i think teaching the keller williams classes are the best source. And one of the reasons is because like being part of a large 
multifamily education program, we meet a lot of passive investors through the program. But the problem is, is in that environment, I am one of 50 deal sponsors that they're meeting. Well, when I talk to a room of real estate agents, they know they want to invest in real estate, but they don't have the time. Typically, I am the only deal sponsor that they know, that they've met. And by teaching the class, I get instant credibility. Even, and it's kind of, even from the very beginning, it was one of those fake it till you make it. Like, be confident in the, in the teaching and, and, the, and the presentation, and they are ready to invest with you. So I think that that has been my best lead source. And that is the one I'm, I'm continuing to do. I would say I would do, I do one class a month at a Keller Williams office, at least. Good for you. Good for you. I, I know early on in the podcast, and even I, I get questions now. It's like, well, Whitney or, or people say, well, Emily, I, they're going to ask me questions. I just, I don't know. Well, how do you handle that? I, I know people are thinking that listening right now. Yeah. And you could always use the phrase, I'd love to have a side conversation with you about that. Let's take that offline, especially with tax questions. I, I am not the expert on tax questions. And so that made, you can always defer to a CPA. If it was a legal question, you say, I, I, we need to please consult with an attorney about that. And, but yeah, I would say defer to a side conversation or let's let's talk about that one on one afterwards. Or sometimes if they just give a, a a question you don't want to answer. What happens after the connections made? And because uh, that's that's also I think where a lot of people struggle with their systems internally and follow up with investors. And uh, how how have you found uh, to be successful at that? It's like you've made the connection. Well, what's next? Well. As of the beginning of 2023, I now have a virtual assistant that helps me with my follow-up. But at the end of the class, what I want them to do is to schedule a 30-minute phone call with me. So the main thing at the end of the class, I put up my Calendly QR code. And the reason is because with multifamily syndications, I need to create a pre-existing relationship with my investors. So me teaching a class to them, in my opinion, does not make does not create that pre-existing relationship. So it is a fairly time-intensive follow-up process because personally, I want to do a phone call with everybody who's going to get in my investor database. So if they don't schedule with me, we send them a follow-up email to remind them to, to schedule. But I would say at least 50 to 60% of the people pull up, the Calendly, pull up their Calendly and schedule a call right then and there. And so there, it's not too bad. It's more about chasing the people that then rescheduled or canceled or, but if you think I'm, I'm an engineer, so I monetize things and I've, we've gone back and monetized our passive investors and each new investor can bring me $12,000 of income. So if I'm in a room with 50 people and only 10 of them really follow through with the Eat with the phone call and they get in my investor database and we create that pre-existing relationship, for me, that is still a huge win. Like, I don't need 100% conversion. I, I could be very happy with five to 10 great investors that have 50, 75, 100,000 
to invest? Because honestly, there are people in the audience that when I say the minimum, you know, can be 50, 75 or 100, their eyes get big. And you know that for them, like $5,000 is a lot of money. And that's not necessarily the person that I want to spend 30 minutes with on the phone. Yeah, it's great to be upfront about that. So maybe you save your time in theirs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, one thing I wanted to dive in on that you just said there is that that each new investor can is is worth like twelve thousand of income for for you. I love that you know that, like you've thought that through, and because we've had to, we've tried to do some exercises like that. Because, and I hear it so often from other operators, friends of mine, who say, "Well, man, how did you calculate right the value of that investor?" So really, we know how much money we can put towards marketing or money we can put towards new investors and just providing better service for them, really. Um, but ensuring, obviously, we're still making a profit at the same time. Uh, are you able to share a little bit about how you came to that that number? Yeah. And we we took a pinpoint in time and we said, how much have we made from multifamily investing, from our syndications? And at this point, we had had two full cycle deals. And so the, when they go full cycle for a GP, they're, they're, you can make great money on it. And we just divided that number that it was probably at the, probably at the four or five year mark that we did this exercise. And we had gone full cycle on two deals. So we took the amount of income that we made and we divided it by the number of investors that had invested with us so far. And so it could change, right? As, as more deals sell, as, we acquire more deals, that number could be fluid. But at the time, it was $12,000. And that only counts the people that invested with us. So when I say, if a room of 50 people that I'm teaching to, if five of them invest with me in the future, that's that's the value that I assign to them. Yeah, love that. I uh, Yeah, that's your engineer background, right? That Love that you knew that, right? And that you thought it through to that degree. All right. So I want, I just wanted to ask you that because I, we've been asked that. I've just heard it done a number of different ways, but you do need to think through that, right? As you're spending and, and thinking about marketing and, and whatnot. And, but all right. So you, you put the QR code up there. They're scheduling a call with you and you're going to have that call. Just like we said, any other tips on following up that have worked well for you? Maybe even during, maybe even ways that you're handling the phone conversation as well or on what happens after the phone call. In terms of the follow-up, we, we, we don't spam our, our inbox to our investor database too much. So we do, I would say, a biannual newsletter. So every six months, we have newsletters going out to our entire database, whether they've invested with us or not. And regarding like the, the follow-up and the structure for the call, one, I want to get to know them and what, what investing experience they've had and what questions they have. So I really, I mean, they've heard me speak for an hour at this point. I want to get to know them more and understand what's important to them. And sometimes that direction will go in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it'll go in the, well, I I heard you say you invested with self-directed retirement accounts. So let's, I want to learn more about that. And then we'll spend the next 30 minutes talking about retirement accounts. And so really it's, it's about meeting their needs, because that call is, it's for me to learn about them and to help educate them even further. Yeah, love that. It's your, when you can have that train of thought, right? That you're focused on them, helping them, what's what's their need? I, I think the call goes a lot better, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, we're going to have to move on, unfortunately, Emily, but man, 
Uh, it's just some great value. And I get these questions all the time about how we do these things. But I, I don't have some of these things that you're doing uh, in, in our tool belt anyway. I, I think you're you're doing very well at that and, and taking advantage of that of that situation or an opportunity, right? You saw an opportunity and you were willing to ask, hey, can I go teach class? And being willing to step out there, I feel like where where most people are not uh, not willing to do that. Very grateful for your time and for the conversation. How can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Our website is AE for Adam and Emily, AEinvest.net. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.